you received a card it is in your packet and there will be a response moment at the end of the service but this response moment is going to be a little bit different in the past we carried response moment as part of the message but this is a response moment that you can choose to make at the end of the service because you know what is interesting is that today on this Easter Sunday 67% of Americans will be sitting in places of worship just like you for some of you this may be the first time in a long time that you are coming and we are so thankful that you are here 67% is about 222 million people in the United States that has some form of belief in God and His Son Jesus. Compared to so many other countries, we don't have a shortage of those who still believe. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, it is wallpapered with people who believe. You know, if we were to ask the people in the New Testament, if we were to get to the very gathering, all the wedding guests at Canaan where Jesus turned water into wine, and we go like, hey, you were there. Can you tell me, do you believe in Jesus? I bet you they'll say, it was the best wine I have ever had. This family is cheap, but man, whoever that was, is took water and made it into wine that you cannot believe if if i had to travel and i find the centurion whose son was ill to death and i said hey centurion you're roman do you believe in jesus he would say honey call augustus he is walking we believe. If I had to get to the woman whose son was dead, the widow, and I say, widow, do you believe in Jesus? She would say, he was dead, now he's alive, married, and six kids. <laughs> if I had to say to the man with the withered hand, do you believe? He would say, read the hands. My hands on a Sabbath, on a Sunday, at the expense of criticism of religious people, he healed me. If I were to say to the blind man that was a beggar at the gate, do you believe? He's going to say, one thing I know, once I was blind, but now I can see. Why would I not believe if I had to find the man that was possessed? And tormented out of his mind, living among the graves, naked, tearing everybody apart. And I say, do you believe? He would say, you're kidding me. Now I live in the village. I'm the living testimony that this man, Jesus, spoke a word. And I came to my senses. I am an eternal believer. If I had to get to any of the 5,000 people who got a free fish fry and I go like do you believe they would say I was hungry and some boy gave fish and bread we didn't just get 
enough. There was more than enough. Somehow this Jesus doesn't just give something. He gives over and above. I am a believer. If I had to ask the woman who was bent over and crippled for 18 years, do you believe? She's going to say, I've been to every doctor and he touched me and I was made well. Oh, woman with the issue of blood for nine years. You had an ongoing hemorrhaging of blood. She says, when I touched the hem of his garment, power went from him and it all stopped. I am a forever believer. If I had to gather all the people at Lazarus's tomb and I say, do you believe they will tell me he was dead for three days. Rigor mortis already set in. The stone was rolled in front of the grave. Yet he said these words, Lazarus, come forth. You don't believe me, go to that village and ask for Lazarus. If I were to walk into Jerusalem and ask the people, do you believe? They would say, why do you think we were waving palm branches and laid our clothes down and shouted Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord if I had to say to Peter Peter do you believe he said I'm the one that said he is the son of the living God I'm the rock of course I believe hey doubting Thomas do you believe Thomas would tell you when he said to us He's going to go to Jerusalem to die. I was the one that says, let's go with him. And we all agreed. We believe to such an extent that we are willing to go where he goes even if we die. But what is so interesting about everything that I just told you. Jesus knew that if our believing is tied to our agenda to our want, to our need, and heaven doesn't respond the way we want heaven to respond. Denial, betrayal, and abandonment will become the cloak believers wear. Because you see, somehow, you and I live in a faith culture. And I'm looking at you today and I believe that you believe because you would be in bed watching Netflix right now with donuts if you didn't believe. And those who are watching us with donuts right now, <laughs> what is wrong with you? But the fact that you are watching says you are believing. Even if you're incarcerated, you may be incarcerated right now, yet you are watching this because your heart believes. But can I tell you that in our faith culture, especially in this beautiful country of America, we have this belief system that we believe, but silently we have conditions. There is a low ask that we love, and a high ask from God that we need. Which means, God, I want you to respond very quickly, but don't ask too much of me. 
because I have much to ask of you. And I'm here to tell you, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a, a, a German theologian, and he said these words, God hates this kind of wishful dreaming because it makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. Oof. When I read that statement, I had to ponder on that for a while because you see, we love the cross. You and I are here because of the cross of Jesus. Because the cross of Jesus speaks of hope. The cross of Jesus speaks about grace that will always cover your disgrace. The cross of Jesus says what you cannot do for yourself, the cross will do for you. The cross says no matter what you have done, the blood of Jesus reaches to the highest mountain, to the lowest valley. There is not a single thing that you have ever committed in your life that the cross cannot forgive. You know what the cross says? Come and I will reconcile you back like a prodigal son and daughter to the loving arms of God. And if you say yes, you will be adopted into his family, planted by the rivers of life. The cross says you are forgiven, and of your sins he will remember no more. And when we look at the cross, we love the cross and we add to it. If you believe, you'll be happy, blessed, overflowing. Always get God to do whatever you need. You will move mountains. Oh, your trouble will only last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And I'm here to tell you, as believers, that is not the only thing that the cross declares. Because the cross yearns and calls with tenderness to those who do not believe. The cross is the good news, but there is a paradox in the cross. Because you see, the moment the cross was introduced, the moment Jesus said that he was going to die, the moment they realize that the very promise that the angels declared in the city of David, today a Savior will be born and He will save His people. You know what they were thinking? They were thinking that Jesus came to liberate them from the earthly oppression from the Roman Empire. Because just like he delivered his people from the oppression of Pharaoh, this Jesus is going to do the very same thing. And that is why they followed him. Because there was a synchronizing between what they think God is going to do and what they desire for him to do. Oh, can I ask you, have you ever felt... That God is not responding quick enough to what you want for your life, for your marriage, for your existence, for your job, for your vacation. Could it be that you look at the cross and the cross is almost, it repels your belief because why is God not responding the way that I think he should respond? Because you see, Judas, that night, and Najee, much better with music. 
They sat at a table. You know that Judas, I always said, there's always a dud in the family. Don't look at anybody right now. <laughs> I've said so many times, man, Judas was such a dud. It was an off Thursday when Jesus chose Judas. Do you know that there is no mistake in duds with God? Judas was loved. Judas was given to Jesus by the Father. Jesus prayed this prayer. He says, Father, I have not lost anyone you've given me. But you know Judas has a bit of a history. Judas was part of a splinter group called the Ascari. The Ascari was a group of men that eliminated any Jewish spy that sided with the Romans. So literally, that was the first version of Assassin's Creed. They eliminated because they were not only an enemy of the people, they were an enemy of God's people. But there came a moment that Judas that was so trusted carried the money back that would pay for food and accommodation as Jesus went from village to village doing good and healing all. I thought, Judas... What was the first thing that passed through your mind when you began to take from what was not yours? I came to the conclusion it's not in the Bible. I personally think it should be. I think Judas realized this Jesus is not going to free us from Rome. This Jesus is making empty promises. What he said is not what he's going to do. What this Jesus is, is not aligning with our agenda for liberation. And let me tell you something, their agenda for liberation was not an evil agenda. It was not a tainted agenda. But heaven had an agenda that was far more important than earthly comfort. There was something that God wanted to do. And you see the problem with you and I, unless we trust from God's perspective of what His cross is inviting us to, we will always be disappointed because Jesus is not here to bring comfort while you're in bondage. Jesus is not here to give you a Disney vacation while the prison of addiction is around you. And Judas, in that moment, betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Because for him, the 30 pieces of silver was to further the cause that was most important in his eyes. Remember Peter? I love Peter. You can only imagine greeting Peter. He'll crush your hands in serious need of some hand lotion. A fisherman, short-tempered. 
He said, Jesus, I trust you so much. I will follow you even if I have to die. But the moment came when the one that he trusted seemed to be in peril. Have you ever thought that God is in trouble when you look at the world? Have you ever thought that God no longer listens to your prayer? Because you see in that moment, a, a woman came and said, aren't you one of these disciples? And in that moment when he was to make a decision based on his trust, he saw what Jesus could do. He knew that he could call 10,000 angels he saw Jesus calm the waves. He saw Jesus being pushed to the edge of a cliff. They wanted to kill him. And Jesus turned around and walked right through them. And he said, my time has not come yet. But Peter, why are you denying him three times? Could it be that you believed? But when times are hard, you're not able to trust Oh, big difference between trust and belief. You see, belief is easy. It costs nothing. But trusting comes at a high price. Then came a moment when Jesus was brought before Pilate. And Pilate washed his hands and says, I'm washing my hands because I can find no guilt in this man. I will not let my hands be stained with sending an innocent man to die. So he brought out a man named Barabbas. Remember Barabbas? Again, I said Barabbas in the past was such an evil shyster terrible human but can i tell you barabbas means son of abba the only place that you will find that word abba in the bible is it cannot be translated because it the reason it means father but it is too intimate to be translated as father it's deeper than the word daddy so here is this man barabbas and barabbas was part of an uprising to free the jewish people from the slavery of the cruelty of the romans in the eyes of the people he was a folk hero he was just another William Wallace, brave heart. In the uprising, he killed Romans. And I can tell you, when there's an occupying force, you have no compassion. When the enemy is killed, and you have hope for liberation. Barabbas, son of Abba, represents the agenda what people needed so desperately. They wanted freedom. And here's Jesus. And he called the father, Abba, father. But Jesus stands for a different agenda. Jesus stands for an agenda that is heaven's agenda over your life. God's time, God's way, God's purpose. <laughs> 
If I had to put myself in the crowd and put you in the crowd, I don't think the outcome would have been any different. Because if I had to choose for an outcome of liberation, I will look at one who's already sacrificed and killed people to get us what we want. And I look at the other one that promised, but so far nothing has happened. And Jesus is looking in the eyes of the people that ate the free food, drank the miracle wine, saw blind eyes open. They are the very people that says, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And now they have to choose. And I want to say this, beautiful people, we too have to choose. Because you see, I think the very danger of our belief is that our belief is conditional on our agenda. And you know, the thing that we hate so much is that we know that Barabbas stood for if God's not going to do it, I'm going to do it on behalf of God. Have you ever done things like that? Have you ever said, I know this is the right person, so God bless this marriage. And everybody else tells you, he's such a schmuck, don't, don't, don't do it. You say, oh, God, God gave me a word, God gave me a word. No, he didn't. You just want a word to make the schmuck a Prince Charming. That's what you want. You, you, you say things, have you ever done things and say, come on God, bless this because I know this is the right thing. In, in other words, it's my way, um, it's what I want, it's my life, and I know you're going to bless it because I will find some scripture in the Bible that says no good thing will he withhold. Then you walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you fight the devil and not understanding it's in the valley of the shadow of death that trust is grown. When you feel the fire of frustration, you want to go like, where is the God that promised to deliver me? Can I tell you, you will only find him in the fire when you trust the God of the fire. Because I can tell you this, the longer you live, the more the stories of discomfort and trust becomes the testimony of the living God that didn't do it your way, but His way. You see, here is the thing I want you to know, that we've got to be careful, beautiful people. I have got to be careful that my faith is not self-reliant, self-righteous, self-justified, self-earned. And I love low ask and high performance. But the paradox of the cross, because Jesus said, all who are thirsty come, and I will give you to drink. If you are burdened and worried, come to me and I will give you rest. It sounds so easy, and it is, because it's never Jesus and. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. But then Jesus turned to disciples. He turned to those who believe. And today he's turning towards you and I. And I want you to know, I sit where you sit. I hear what you hear. I've got my card over here because today I have got to ask 
and answer a question because Jesus said in the book of Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 Jesus is saying to each one of us here today hey you who believe if you want transformation in your life if you want the evidence of the living God you must deny yourself and I go like don't like that verse because can I say this what is tearing us apart as a country is that everybody wants to be elevated Jesus says deny yourself you know what deny yourself means it literally means to disown and utterly separate yourself from your own will and desire. Don't you remember? In the book of Matthew, he said, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. The problem is, we are so affluent. You say, I'm not affluent. Trust me, when you travel the world, when you travel Africa, I come from there. When you see poverty, I can tell you, we do not know poverty. We know discomfort, not poverty. Poverty is terrible. And Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And the word poor in spirit is the one who fully understands the utter poverty of your own goodness. The utter poverty of your own righteousness, your worth and self-importance. If only you realize, if you have to strip this body down, that nothing you make, no amount of bitcoins you have, you are utterly poor without the saving grace of the one that says, if you believe, and you want transformation, you've got to deny yourself. I love this statement that says, it is only the person who realizes how poor he is in his soul will ever know the riches of Christ and the power of the cross. But he doesn't stop there. He says, then take up your cross and follow me. Oh, I've been a pastor for a long time. Oh, it's my privilege. This is my 23rd time I get to hold this beautiful message with sacred hands. As I prayed this morning, God, let my lips declare your good news with an accuracy, even if it asks of me something that is hard to give. He says, pick up your cross. You know, I've heard people say, Man, I married this beautiful, beautiful woman, but man, her mother, oh dear God, I guess she's the cross I have to bear. I love my job, but my boss is a jerk, but I guess it's the cross I have to bear. I have the most beautiful face, but my grandmother's hips, I bet it's the cross I have to bear. I'm here to tell you, it is not what Jesus had in mind when he said, you've got to bear a cross. When he said this to his disciples, 
they understood what the cross means. It doesn't mean discomfort, it means death. None of them said, ooh, that's going to be uncomfortable. The cross that beckons us to life now come, becomes the cross that beckons us to die. Now what is so interesting, have you ever heard of the Knights Templar? The Knights Templar, this is a replica sword. The Knights Templar was a group of believing men. They believed so deeply in the cross and in the resurrection that they dedicated their lives to protect all the pilgrims coming to Jerusalem from robbers and from land pirates. They literally sacrificed their life to protect believers. Their organization was secret, sacred, underground because they believe that no man should know the price you pay otherwise you will have no reward in heaven these were ordinary men that believed in a extraordinary God and would give them their lives to protect those who believe but there is a story some held it true, others held it as a legend. That these night warriors, when they were baptized in water, and the baptism we're talking about is full immersion in water, because scripture says, and like the water seems that you go under, it's a grave where everything dies, and you are raised up as a new human following Christ where you can say like Paul it's no longer I who live but Christ lives in me they say but what would happen is when these warriors that believe so ardently would be baptized they would hold their sword above the water and say this I give Christ everything but not my vengeance I will not surrender my sword when I heard this, I thought, isn't that so interesting? I wonder who at their baptism go like, okay, okay, this is weird. This is just weird. Why would you not surrender your sword? But you know what is so interesting? It wasn't long before the unsurrendered sword became the object of their accumulating of wealth. When I heard that, I began to realize whatever is not surrendered in my life will become the doorway for everything else that will become the thing that resists everything that wants to surrender. So the question that I have is what is still in my hand that I'm not willing to surrender because you see for Peter it was trust. For Judas, it was trust. For the people in Jerusalem, it was trust. 
It was dying to what I think need to happen right now and what I think I need to get and to say, God, whatever you think I should get is what I will say. I will live a surrendered life. I'm going to trust in you and you alone because let me tell you, the thing that he said last to these disciples, he says, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and it dies, it will remain a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. You see, what is so interesting about the paradox of the cross is we all want the reality of God in us. But the most dangerous thing is for you to believe and never experience and for me to never experience the reality of transformation that's why jesus said the third thing deny yourself pick up your cross and follow me you know when jesus said follow me he didn't say come to me he said follow me which means jesus is not stationary that means he is moving and he says, where I go, can you come with? Because I want to remind you, heaven's highest, highest, most highest agenda is to restore God's work in you and through your life. I'm done, worship team, you guys can come up. Because here's the thing I want you to know that there is not a single human heart that is neutral ground. You say, Pastor P, what does that mean? I've heard many people say, I believe in nothing. Oh, you know, you believe in something. Because no heart is neutral ground. Because you see, I believe with all of my heart that those who seek power will follow whatever they think will give them power. Those who seek wealth because they feel that God may not be enough as a good shepherd that provides for them every day. Their every thought, their every action will follow the money crumbs leading them to wealth. Those who seek acceptance will follow those who they think can give them acceptance. Every one of us in this place is following what we think will be our ultimate hope. What stands between me and following Christ is what I think I can put in my hand to get me to where I think He wants to go. Or I lay it down and say, God, no matter what I experience, the cross is more than enough because you are calling me every day to lay down my life. Jesus' last prayer. Remember the olive grove of Gethsemane. Jesus prayed three times. If there is any 
way for me to get where you want me to get my way. Please say yes. Have you ever had your kids beg you and go like, please say yes, please say yes, please say yes. And if you're a dad and you have a daughter, you are screwed. Because there is a way I shouldn't have said screwed. I'm so sorry, please don't email me. I think in Dutch. I'm so sorry, you are... Screwed is the best word I have. Oh God, my daughter, she just a slow blink like Minnie Mouse. Say yes. And in that moment, I know my heart is already melted. And Jesus was saying to the Father, I want to do what you want to do, but can I do it my way? Remember, Satan said to him, you can get what God wants you to get, but you don't have to do it God's way. Worship me. Hey, what you desire is not wrong. The question is, who do you trust to get that for you? Jesus prayed it three times. Have you ever had a Gethsemane? Because maybe today is your Gethsemane. Maybe today is my Gethsemane. Where God says, I don't know how to say this to you. But if you seek to get what you want to get without the cross, denying yourself and following peer, you will have a historic faith, but no evidence of the living Christ in you. Because listen, if you get married, And there is not a spark in your eye. There is not a single Instagram post of the one you got married to. If people say, oh, I heard you got married, and you go like, yeah, nothing has changed. I'm hanging out. I've just got to share bed with this person. And you know you shouldn't have done it. Because the beautiful thing about marriage, I tell people, I've been married 32 years. When I hear my wife's voice, my stomach turns. Butterflies are colliding because she is awakened as the lover of my soul. I carry the living reality that love grows beautiful. And if I could be married at nine to her, I would, even if I break the law. Because it changed everything. But today the question is, what are you holding on? What do you need to put down? What did you say? I'll give you everything, Jesus, but don't take this. Because until this is put down, until you say, not my will be done, but yours, 
until you say, God, I will praise you in the valley. I will praise you in the mountain. I will praise you in the dungeon. I will praise you on the mountain of freedom. I will praise you when I'm happy. I'll praise you when I'm sad. I will praise you when I sit in the palace of a king. And I will praise you when I sit on the ash heap. For God, you're not seeking my comfort, but my transformation. What is in your hands? You make all things new. Yes, you make all things new. And I will Follow you forward. You make all things new. You make all things new. Just sing it one more time. Some of you, you may be standing afar, and the cross beckons you. All who are thirsty, come. All who are hungry, come. All those who are laden with guilt and shame, come, and I will give you rest. But the cross says to those who have come, deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Lay down what is in your hand. And I want to encourage you, if you want to pray this prayer with me, to take the piece of paper and write down the very thing that's in your hand. Can I tell you what is in my hand? That maybe. God will not show up the way that I think He should show up and save me from impending failure. And I would rather kill myself working to secure successful outcomes than face my perceived fear of shame. And I want to lay that down. That no matter what happens, through people's perspective, there is a greater plan that God has for me to trust. What is in your hands? I'm going to pray a prayer. If you want to pray, you can simply lay your hand on your heart. 
And then we're going to close with a song and Josh is going to come up and we have crosses in this auditorium. And if you want to, I encourage you, go to the cross and take one of those pins and pin it to the cross. You say, why would I do that? Because I want you to remember that on this beautiful day that you pinned with honesty as Peter says, I believe, help my unbelief. Today I choose to follow you, Jesus. If you want to pray this prayer with me, just say, Heavenly Father, I believe that I want to follow. Help my unbelief. Rescue me from passivity and indifference. Jesus, I come. Thank you that your arms are always open wide. I run into the arms of grace. Thank you, Lord, that you already know what I'm about to write. And your grace meets my shame and helps my humanity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.